Hello and welcome to the Free Associates, to the second hour of Barbarian in the Valley. We are in the basement of that neo-brutalist structure at the center of the UMass campus, and what a day. What a beautiful day, bright and sunny, that November stillness is in the air, unlike the wind last night. Now we are the Free Associates, that's right, and we are free to associate with anybody or any idea that comes our way, because you know why? And wait for this, you know what people like? Freedom. They do. They like freedom. It feels good. It's not always necessary. It's not always advised. But here on Saturday morning, we're allowed. And we're also allowed to just kind of like, you know, like pre-associate. Like, oh yeah, well, that reminds me of this. And, and I think about that. When I think about this, I think about that. To just not be experts. Because experts are not allowed here. I mean, they're allowed. They're allowed to be experts. But not really about what we're talking about. These societies choked with experts. And what we're employing here is common sense and intellectual pursuit in our own experiences. Nothing wrong with our own experiences. Now, we don't have a lot of time to discuss Wayland's Orange Van today, so I'm just going to say right now, security, please, if your radios are on to 91.1, Wayland's Orange Van is up above in the loading zone, right above the campus center. You can't miss it. It says be free on it. Now, I'm going to invite you to tow that van today. Yes, consider it a challenge. Get that, tan vo- get that van towed, or at least place a ticket. He needs to be taken down a peg. Oh, he's just steaming. He's looking at me. I got to say, the whale dog looks so cute. He's got this beautiful sweater on. It's kind of tight. It's almost like uh, tight jeans, but with a sweater or whatever they call that. Now, he's criticized the way I dress, so I'm allowed. Now, in a second, when we come back, now we still have to do our free associate drawing. So one of our new guests, Jeff Wagenheim, is going to hold that picture up. I'm going to free associate on it. Okay, so get ready in three, two, one. Hold it up. Kites in Afghanistan, knockout punches, Mike Tyson, riding the rainbow, water parks, who knows what it means. Good, boom, got it. Every free association you can possibly imagine, I got. Now, listen people out there, we have a reading for this week, it's actually quite brief, and um, it's sure to get you angry uh, in one way or another, and it's on our website, thefreeassociates.us. So if you want to go over there, it's a reading from the Times from last January, it's Aaron Griffiths. And the title of the article is, Why Are Young People Pretending to Love Work? Which is definitely one of those. It's a clickbait article, I think, in a lot of ways. But I think it will engage us in an interesting conversation. So, freeassociates.us. And I do want to remind you guys that we are podcasted everywhere. Both Barbarian in the Valley and the Free Associates are podcasted all over the place and is gaining traction every week. New, new listeners are coming on board. So, we will be back with the Whale Dog and Daddy Wags in just a second. And uh, enjoy Diodato for a moment, and we'll be back in a minute. Okay, you know what? Waylon's looking at me really like a hawk. Like a perturbed hawk. And, uh, you know, we know that on this show, and Jeff, you were actually curious about whether he would get his mic on, right? That's part of the show. Yeah. Oh, your mic's not on. Oh, you're not, the mic's not on. I'm so sorry. That's really unkind. So, so Jeff, you cover, what, MMA? So, you know what this is? This is a classic 
after the bell hit or before the bell yeah, hit, yeah, what should totally. I say? He yeah. just he sits there. He basically ties my hands behind my back for the first 30 seconds of yeah, minute. I'm going to go ahead and, and shut you just, off right now. because <laughs> it's called as a groin, groin striker. Well, yes, I'm exactly. Sorry. He's a big groin striker over here. Yeah, I'm going to turn Waylon off, Jeff, for just a second. And, and let me just, because I just want him to sit here and soak this in. <laughs> now, he is uh, more and more late every week. Okay, yes. so he's talking below the belt. Meanwhile, I'm sitting down here in the basement of this giant structure, hoping he's not at the bottom of like a 12-pack of Natty Lights, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I, so I, I can confirm that you were sweating. Yeah, like every week he's a little bit more and more late. Got to so, keep got to keep the anticipation up and yeah. I'm in the 15 minute loading zone, so I got to get there as, oh. as precisely as I close see. as I can. <laughs> right, because yeah, no, I get it. I'm you're, still you're my really down here right for an hour. Like now. I'm still not doing anything bad. Minus yeah. I don't have the flashes on. He, he yeah, doesn't you love want to work as there. much as you do, I guess. No, no, no. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Speaking of work. Now, let's just introduce ourselves. I, I already introduced the whale dog. He's in a really cute sweater. I mean, he looks like a catalog model, honestly. I said that I was uncomfortably domesticated today. Yeah. He comes in and says, oh, I'm just domesticated. He has no clue. He's a single man. He does not know what domestication looks like. <laughs> he just doesn't know. I mean, it's sad. Now, Jeff, you and I know the rigors of actual domestication. Yes, yeah. and, uh, but I can't speak to those because the, my boss might be listening to me at this moment. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. right. That's right. But, you know, uh, we're all praying for Waylon to fall in love and get married because I am going to dance on his hipster grave so hard. <laughs> so I'm domesticated today. I'm doing Friendsgiving. You know, Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving with friends. If this is something nice, oh, okay, good. I thought it was like, like some charity like thing. Is that a euphemism or actually a real turkey in the other <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it's just like the literal, that literal turkey. Yeah, yeah. The well, we're hoping you, you settle down at some point. Now, could you introduce yourself, Daddy? Daddy Wags, are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that, that's I what I used to called. do a radio show yes. here at this very, that's right. very studio for, for many years. Nice. Uh, Strange Bedfellows, Country Blues and Bluegrass. Um, Root Awakenings was the morning show. Yeah. Um, uh, I forgot. That's a good was, name was for a, a morning was, show. No, what time was, was that great. show on? It was like six to eight. Oh, uh, did you do that live? I did. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I had to get up and come over here. Oh, that's and do excellent. It. it was actually kind of fun. Would wait. I'd play Joe Frank in the at, well, at six in the right. morning. Now, now, what a way for, to start your day. For yeah. the listening audience, uh, Jeff and I are bound in a fraternity um, of Joe Frank lovers. If you don't know Joe Frank, then you can. Joe Frank Radio. I would Google Joe Frank Radio. You're going to come up to, with a cultish figure. And I remember driving to work when I worked in Springfield and hearing Joe Frank and just thinking, how is this on WMUA? Mm. That was you. So, that was me. Yeah. So we got you back in the studio, and that's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. So, and the, you know, another side note is that we both have your son as students. As yeah, a student. I'm, I'm sorry about that. No way. Are you kidding? We, we're big <laughs> no, yeah, we, we, Aaron we Wags fans. His yeah. I think I'm his attention. true. I'm his dark Sith Lord. He's in. Well, yeah, because I you kind of creep in there in the back of the mind with your mind tricks. Yeah, your Jedi mind tricks. But he's grinded it out in my room. Yes, I think I I program him, and then he operates in your room. Well, when yeah. I told him I was going to spend time with you guys, I did ask him, and he told he confirmed that he that you both are his least favorite. Okay, good, good. As long as we're tied. Yeah. Um, he's with me for three hours. Yeah. So it's a lot. He's got two blocks with me. Um, but he's, a, he's great. He's a lot of fun. Now, to the article. Now, I mentioned that it's on freeassociates.us, so if you want to go, uh, excuse me, thefreeassociates.us and check out the article, it's pretty brief. And it's, I do think it's like one of these articles that you love to hate kind of thing. And it's why are young people pretending to love work? And essentially... It's making a case that millennials who used to have the reputation for, like, not working um, are actually 
very demonstrably showing that they are working. So, and I think in, for our conversation, it's important to distinguish. There's working hard, and then there's letting everyone know you're working hard, right? These are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is actual, like, labor, and one of them is kind of virtue signaling uh, of a kind, right? Or, I don't know, signaling that you're work, working signaling. I don't know what you want to call it. And so, I think the article is taking more issue with the fact that that what well, these people may or may not be working hard. Working hard is, in the article, they basically say working hard is not necessarily more productive. You know, and I think there's been plenty to show that that's probably true. And for some reason, everyone's really vocal about how hard they're working. And I think that uh, Aaron Griffiths doesn't like this, doesn't relate to it, and thinks it's a con where the elites are sending out a message to the world about this. It's like, she seems almost to describe it as a cult. Like, Elon Musk is obviously a candidate. And by the way, did you see what happened to Elon Musk yesterday? No. Oh, is so they have a pickup truck now, Tesla. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a pickup truck. Mm. And it looks he, like it's like badly rendered. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like it was rendered by an early version of Photoshop or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Mm. But, you know, it's not a bad idea. But they, they invited someone on stage to try to break the windows of this pickup because they're unbreakable. And the guy broke, broke them both. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, immediately they broke. So... Don't you think that you know, was orchestrated, he, he though, to generate well. more publicity? You think so? I think it was. How I is think that it was a good orca- thing? Because would you be talking about it today if the guy had swung but the I'm, sledgehammer and the and the window didn't break? Well, wow, but I'm talking about something breaking. Musk is an absolute master wow. of using or he's just the media to for PR purposes. I think it was Trump. kind of orchestrated thing. I think Interesting. I actually, I do. I think it was he generated so much publicity because the window uh, broke. Jeez. We're through the looking glass. If that's how you generate publicity, by showing how things break on stage, <laughs> then I am been, I'm officially left behind. I'm a boomer. You can say, okay, boomer to me. Um, and we may have to say this to each other. Um, during this critique. Now, how do you guys receive this article? What was your first impressions of the article? Oh, well, <clears throat> the first thing that I had in my mind, and, and then he eventually hits it about three three quarters of the way in there. She does. Is, or, I'm sorry, she. Um, the vacuum of religion and yep. how the that existential crisis, we've shifted the idea of that religion and that meaning and purpose of life to other facets of our life. But then, because the big answers are still not answered, or the questions are still not answered, you get this kind of existential crisis that we have, but now it pertains to work rather than God. Okay, yeah, and I, we've talked so often about this issue. I feel like the meta-narrative of our show is the search for meaning, like in society yeah, and in sure. culture. That is to say... Where it's been removed, it needs to be fulfilled. And, yeah, I agree that, that in the article, about uh, three-quarters of the way through, it's not a big part of the article. Oh, yeah, it just touches on it, but... But the language that they're employing about work has a religious overtone. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. It had a kind of a under... It, it was almost like the work became the, the deity that... Or, or something that, that supplied something. But I also thought that there there is something real that has shifted... That that people aren't just being drawn by some Svengali. I, I don't mm-hmm. feel like the, the the bosses out there are the are just transfixing people, but they've actually created things that that people like, and hmm. and they then exploit that like for well, if you like that, let's <laughs> let's give you this. And but there is something different, I think, about yeah. how people have opportunities to work now that they didn't have 
a generation ago. So you you don't sound as skeptical as she is about it. Um, you, you don't feel like this is necessarily like. And I think we do need to put a little perspective on this. This is not coal mining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are people who are working in like tech companies and in fairly comfortable surroundings and p- have a potential payout. Right? These are these are highly educated. You know, to to frame it as the uh, proletarian struggle would be, I think, might be taking it too far. She almost seems to touch on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's, I mean, I think you you characterize it correctly. That for me, that I don't, I don't feel as strongly. It's not that I disagree with the whole premise, but mm-hmm. I feel as though she looks at it. This is this horrible way that our culture has turned, and I look at it as, well, things have opened up to the point where where younger people can instantly have an opportunity that probably wasn't didn't hmm. exist it used to be that you had to get your yeah. entry level job and work your way up the, the the ladder until you got to a top point nowadays people can kind of if they can find ways to instantly go go from zero to 60 like like that and well yeah and that i think gets people more jazzed about doing their doing their hmm. work and then somebody get then then the manipulation comes somebody figures out that you can make people want to do that over well, and over again. You well, know, it's also the ahead, self sorry. creating a self-illusion as well, too. So there's individuals that authentically do that and can rise in the ranks and do this meaningful work and they're smart and intelligent and get by. And then there's other individuals who have been processing this idea of this self-identity as the hard worker and putting those pictures on Instagram and putting those pictures on Facebook and then are frustrated when all of their work, quote-unquote, doesn't come to has has no impactful meaning on their yeah. rise to success. So it's kind of looking at it in both the we have high exp like it says in the article we have high ex- there's a high expectation in millennials for this kind of the pursuits and when it doesn't the the reality doesn't match that expectation especially when we're manufacturing our own idea of what that reality is then the, that that um that gap in between that can lead to some kind of um. That jadedness in that in that crisis. Yeah, they have said that millennials are really focused on their work having some purpose and meaning uh, outside of the work itself. Mm-hmm. And we were talking. Now we're actually. A, a, I'm in the middle of this pack. We're probably about 13 years apart, each of us. So you identify as a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. I don't know what are you. I'm right on the cusp of a millennial. And why? I don't know. It's I don't just know, whatever that's, it is. That's where I. That's okay. where I land. And so you know, and, and I, I, I just want to chime in here and say that Gen Xers were famous for rejecting work and uh, they felt like they did not want their life to be compromised by work in the sense of family uh, because that generation actually had been let the latchkey, that was, my generation was the latchkey kids and the latchkey kids are there's the key that you open the door with but your parents aren't home I actually didn't have that experience but a lot of my contemporaries did and so it's interesting how generations accept or reject work based on their own experiences as children um, and what work means to them I love work work's really important to me but I would never let it carve into my time with my kids it just would never happen and I've chosen wisely because teaching allows you a lot of free time so I just want to mention that we're kind of different and Waylon you you strike me as someone who really is engaged with your work and I, I think you let yeah. people know it I don't think it's uh, obnoxious I think that letting people know can be obnoxious I actually feel like you are working uh, hard enough that like it's just kind of apparent but I'm wondering if you could chime in on like your generation a little bit and like your experience with it yeah I, I think it's a mixture of a whole bunch of different things but the thing that really resonated with me in the article was the idea of 
sacrificing other facets of your life to put work first. Mm -hmm. And I've done that many a time in my life. I've had relationships that I've gotten into and gotten out of because I couldn't commit to it because I had to, I was prioritizing work I was pri prioritizing this that the other thing and that exactly what you said is where the difference is that I see now I'm talking about anecdotally myself I there's a lot of individuals in my generation that um, have kids and families and that's that's where they're finding meaning and everything but even even there I think that there is a drive for even an individual that w would be in the traditional domesticated life selling some sort of doing a side hustle it's and doing this or doing that because we're expected to have that productivity mm -hmm. in our life in addition to having that traditional family you're you're every everybody's supposed to work yeah. to some degree and that's how you contribute to society yeah mm -hmm. uh, i would also i would like to argue that perhaps an aspect of this like vocally showing how you work might be related to things that we've spoken about before, which are like automation and kind of like uh, if work is kind of on the precipice of disappearing, like let's say people feel threatened that work is going to kind of disappear, it would make sense that people would be very vocal about how hard they're working. Right? Am I wrong about that? You make yourself you make yourself essential or at least useful, or a signal that you're essential. Right? Or useful. You, that, you, know, you let people know. You let the people know that you are. You can't be replaced. Yeah, and that you're. You're the last one who should be replaced. Look at me. I'm working so hard. I'm like hustling it out and I'm kind of grinding it out. But I don't get the feeling that that's really what is at play as this article plays out. I think that it's more that people have this zealot, ze they're, mm -hmm. they're zealots for what they're doing. And I think that we call it work, but for some, for some of us, it's, it, there's, it's different. It's not, you know, work can be just getting doing something to draw a paycheck but i think that for you know when an artist is painting some masterpiece that person is at work but that also the person's also expressing himself or herself in the utmost you know right. and and but not everybody is an artist not everybody is a is a musician not a, other people have other ways in which they express that part of themselves and i think we call it work if you make money on it but in some people it's their side hustle some people's side hustle is just to make extra bucks to to pay the pay the mortgage and other people's side hustle is well i i have my 40 hour week of drudgery and this is my side hustle is a thing i love to do and yeah, i think that yeah. i think that kind of plays into it yeah like this radio show no i, I happen to love my job teaching um, I don't get paid much here. It's like a forty thousand dollar a year thing, but um, you guys are not. Oh, no, oh I thought you were my teaching. <laughs> no, well, no, no, it was no, right no, in line no, with no. whatever yeah, teaching yeah, right. is. So. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's um, and it's often really stressful to put the show together the first hours. But I know that it's feeding me otherwise. Nice. It's feeding my teaching. It's feeding my life, and so it's a side hustle of a kind, even though it's not monetary. I did want to point out, and I'd like you, Jeff, to talk. We talked a little bit before the show, but. I, your observation is really keen, I feel like, that like when I was a kid, when you wanted to work, your 20s were kind of a wasted time, a mailroom up, you know, you had to climb the corporate ladder and you're doing the dumbest things. And now it's kind of like a, a flipped cake where your biggest frenzy of work comes in your 20s and 30s, which makes a lot more sense because you don't want it to come when you're like, have kids. Like it's, in your 20s, you're, you're free of that. So it makes sense that those people should be working the hardest because they don't have kids to take care of. So that's a much more logical construct to society. In some respects it is, but, but thinking about what, how that reflects on the work that's being done, uh -huh. it, it, when that work 
when that work can benefit from somebody's experience, yes. that 21-year-old who just graduated from college is not going to have the same ex- experience level as somebody who's been around in their, in their 40s or so and can bring a little bit different kind of perspective. They're going to have maybe more energy. You're talking about wisdom here. Yeah, so yeah. It's, so I think that... Wisdom so, is experience. So, yeah, I mean, for those of us who are... You know, I, we talked before. I, when I was... Before I was married and I... I used to put tons of hours in working because I because I could and it was something I loved to do. And then at a certain point, you have to kind of make compromises, and and it's so you end up pulling away from that work maybe a little bit, right? When can, once you have responsibility, can you describe your time at the Boston Globe? Because I loved you oh, t- yeah. to talk okay, so about it. You were you yeah. really I could get it pretty pretty soon after I got out of college. I I, I landed a, a part time job as a copy editor at the Boston Globe on the sports desk and. Um, and I, you know, immediately got thrust into like really like the major leagues of of newspapers. It was a really cool experience. But what really made it was I had this the the, the crew I worked with was just an amazing group of people who we would just have. We had it was like going out to a bar every night and with a TV watching sports in the corner. And we then at the end of the night we would do our work and make put out a paper. But there was it was like hanging around. And I was you know in my early twenties and I would be. I was living in a house with a bunch of guys that would have a party on a Saturday night, and I didn't care that they were having a party and I was going to work because I was having more fun in the office with the guys I worked with, you know, busting each other's chops and yeah. all night long and having a great time. That if you said that I was like, well, overworked, if we were putting in the confines of this article, I would be defined as somebody who, who put work ahead of my social life, but I didn't because I, I constructed my own life, my work life, and at a place that was amazing to be and so when you can do that that's if you work for a place that where you are going to have a great time with the people you're with it does it's not like you're putting in work hours it's that kind of weird cliche literally a golden age and i mean the thing about that is that you what what you've not literally a golden age Uh. (laughs) 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 that word's overused right did you get a bunch of gold bars while you're doing it (laughs) <laughs> no, okay, no. so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't happen. literally a golden age. Go ahead. Um, now I lost my train of thought. No. Sorry, that's, that um, was the intended purpose. But no, what, what you experienced right there was an authentic, it's what Google is and, and Amazon and all of these and Apple are trying to kind of create and synthesize by cre- by having a free cafeteria with like you know yep. grass you know, sawgrass smoothies sure. and stuff right so in that that's really what it comes down to for me is that um i love my job and I, I find meaning in both the interactions that i have with my employees um not always but for the most part and students in in, in watching them not always but for for the most part yeah and if that wasn't authentic, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to stay around. Mm. And it's not something that was created from a top-down, like the you know superintendent or anything is not creating well, that. It's okay. not the principle that's no, creating that. No, but you that. are in a framework. It's, you need to have that grassroots well, something that, that's authentic. It's both there. because you're in a framework that at least gives you the space to do it, and also students are coughed into your room. You know, <clears throat> no, it's important. Yeah, we're part of a system. 
wherein students are forced into our room. Now we can make it magic or we don't have to. But it's not like I'm doing a Pilates class in my, my garage and no one's showing up. Like, we benefit from the institution of public schools. Up. They <laughs> yeah. have to go. And then, we're dog. and then you're given the freedom. Now, we're going to be back in just a minute. Um, we do have to do some promos. And I did select what I thought... Uh, Sorry, it was a really good song for this. So here we go. And there we go. We'll be back in a minute. You know who you are. Listen up. Mom and Dad said, go get a job. Go work, feel hard. Go punch your clock. Climb the corporate ladder straight to the top. Pay your 